Welcome to A Moment of Bach, where we take our favorite moments from the composer's vast musical output, just a minute's worth or even a few seconds, and show you why we think they are remarkable. We are your hosts, Alex and Christian Giebert. Today we're taking another listener request from Dan, who has requested O Mensch bewein dein Sünde groß from the Orgelbüchlein. He gave life to the dead and laid aside all sickness until the time approached that he would be offered for us. Bearing the heavy burden of our sins, indeed, for a long time on the cross. These are the last few lines of the first verse of the hymn tune, O Mankind, Mourn Your Great Sins. That's a translation. The German hymn tune, O Mensch Bewein Dein Sünde Gross, is one that in Bach's time would have been very well known. It is actually a part of the St. Matthew Passion. It's one of the choruses. People of his time would have known the melody, would have heard it in church. But it is also one of the most famous organ chorale preludes of all of Bach's work. And that's because it carries a sort of weight and heaviness that uh, a lot of the others do not. Christian, I think it's interesting that our listener Dan requested this particular moment. It's always been a favorite moment of mine in this work. And also, like you just mentioned, there's a version of this tune in the St. Matthew Passion, which Bach used actually in the St. John Passion originally, but then moved it basically after he did revisions on that work. But I, I also happen to really love the moment in the St. Matthew Passion that comes on the exact same phrase that we're talking about here, which is that last phrase of the hymn tune. It's treated differently there in the St. Matthew Passion than in the organ version, but it's still an amazing moment. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a future episode. Mm-hmm. The setting of this for chorus in the St. Matthew Passion is much more animated. So the writer of the Netherlands Bach Society description of this performance and performance video notes that the words here suggest maybe extreme austerity mankind mourn your great sins for which christ left his father's bosom and came to earth from a virgin pure and tender he was born here for us he wished to become our intercessor but that's not really what bach chooses to do when he sets this to to a solo organ so that that leads us to a question why did Bach instead write this organ chorale prelude with all kinds of flourishes and ornamentation? Because these are all written in, right, Alex? That's what's kind of remarkable about this. Right. Well, usually, the usually if Bach wants us to recognize a simple melody. 
it will be the accompaniment that's kind of flowery underneath. This time, the melody itself is extremely complicated, but he wrote all that stuff out on the musical score. So maybe this is supposed to say the music is supposed to be beautiful despite the fact that we are languishing in sin, or maybe it is the musical version of languishing and wailing and crying. I'm not quite sure. Maybe that's up for interpretation. Yeah, I think if you look at the way Bach and other contemporary composers of his use ornamentation, it can be kind of all over the place. It's not always it's not always signifying something regal or something complex or whatever, you know, I think he uses it a lot for emotional stuff too. I mean, you you look at some of that stuff that where he puts ornamentation, dun dum 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 stuff like that that he wants to make little these little heart-wrenching moments out of. Um, but yeah, no, it's an interesting point, Christian, because if you look at the score, the original Bach manuscript of this, you can see that there are even some parts where he added later. It's like he's, he thought better of himself and thought, I need a little more ornamentation here. And he added, there's one, in, an obvious one in his manuscript where he just crossed out an entire measure, rewrote it further down in the page with more florid ornamentation. Yep. This always reminds me of uh, whenever we see crossed out stuff in the manuscript of the movie Amadeus, where there's a scene where Mozart's genius and perfection is demonstrated by the fact that he's not even in the room during the scene, but they're commenting on that there are no eraser marks in his score. Right. Because he must, he must have just got everything right the first time. Of course, that's not really how it works out in real life. And it's clear in a lot of Bach's manuscripts that he crosses stuff out and makes it better. So that is the sort of open question of ornamentation and why this is so luxuriously ornamented, let's say. That might not be totally clear, Alex, but I think the one thing that is much clearer is the notes themselves. In other words, the chromaticism, which means the use of notes that are outside of the key that we are in, which will bring us to our moment. So the listener, Dan, has suggested this moment. And any of you who have played organ or know this, this work, I think you're, you're going to know what the moment is. It's at the end. Something very surprising happens harmonically with at least one of the chords. There are actually a couple of short moments all together at the end. So when a composer in the Baroque era really needs to demonstrate suffering or languishing or bearing a heavy burden or crying, what they'll do is they'll make use of a series of often descending half steps, sometimes ascending. We see this happening in the pedal part, the bass part of this organ chorale prelude near the end. These flatted or lowered alterations will produce harmonies which are quite striking and seem to not fit within the key we're in. And that's why we have to explore some basic music theory to understand what's going on here. But first, just take a listen to the moment where there is a very striking and unexpected chord 
followed by a few more strange notes until we finally relax into the ending. So what is it about these last few chords, especially that one, which we're calling the C-flat major chord, that makes them so surprising and stunning? Christian, I'm going to answer that question with the broadest answer possible, which is that it sounds like that because it's so weird, because it's unusual, because you never hear that. Mm -hmm. That's the broad answer, right? It's, it's a whoa moment because it's not very common. Okay, right. But, but let's go deeper, right? Let's go. Why is it? Yes. And this is why music theory exists. <laughs> yeah. So the reason why these chords sound strange, first of all, the easy, way, the easy way to say it is they are outside of the key we're in. But I think a better way to say that is that these are just decorated alterations of chords that would be in this key because what we have to remember is that music of this time had a sense of harmonic progression. It moved forward in time through a series of chords that usually took the same turns. One very common way that chords would move along in this kind of a progression is with the bass note skipping down uh, from scale degree one down to six to four to two. All you gotta know, listener, is that there are seven steps in a scale and we always count them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then it goes back to one. It repeats, for instance, the scale degrees of this scale sound like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then back to one at the top. So regardless of how high or low they are on the piano or whatever instrument, we still call we can still call them by those numbers. There are other ways to name them, of course, too. They're the note names, like E-flat is scale degree one in this case. But we're using the numbers so that they can work in whatever key we're in. Right. Similar to why people sing in solfege, do, re, mi, etc. Same kind of deal. Yeah. And a common chord progression that sounds like it's moving towards an ending is, of course, the most common one is five to one. So that bass motion is what we're talking about, but you recognize this from pieces of Western classical music that you've heard in your life, I'm sure. And then what happens often right before that is a progression. Let's actually start from one again, but let's move the bass, let's skip the bass down a note to six and then skip the bass down a note to four and then to two and then wrap it up with a five and then a one. So there's two things going on there in terms of progression. There's the idea that we're moving down a little bit in the bass by skip. And then there's the idea that once we get to two, the two, five, one progression, if you listen to our second Brandenburg four episode, that is actually a common pattern that's used all the way up to the time of jazz as well. And that is actually a logical sequence as well, because four notes up from two is five and four notes up from five is one. 
And so that is a that is a series of fourths or fifths, which is also a pattern in music. Yeah, and like you said before, Christian, these are all progressions. And they have to do with time. Music is a temporal thing, right? A temporal art form. It's it's not like visual art. It needs to tell sort of a story because of the time element, right? So you can think of something like this, uh, wrapping up like this, as the ending of a story. And you could think of the version we hear here with the confusing and unusual chord that sticks out to us as a story twist, for example. Like a twist in a story, like a, a revelation that happens. It's like, oh, the only reason it works is because of the context of the timing, right? Yeah, it's in order still. If these were, if these chords were played out of order, even if they weren't altered in any way, they would be wrong. So, yeah. So this famous, stunning C flat major chord. It is so weird; it changes even the melody. But it is actually just the six chord built on scale degree six. But even its own bottom note is lowered. Alex, what would that sound like if it was played without an alteration to that chord? Much more vanilla and normal. <laughs> right, or even you could do... Not, yeah, not quite as weird even. When something is so strange as that, that's almost like taking a chord from the minor version of this key major this being a, a piece in a major key this piece is not in a minor key which is a different mode of expression of a scale but we still pulled this chord from its uh, parallel minor key we'll have to explore that on another episode but essentially you are entering into an alternate universe for a second and yeah. plucking out one thing from it one that's darker in tone mm-hmm and then it goes on to alter yet another part of its progression. Yeah, so not only do we have a C-flat major chord with a C-flat on the bottom, but after that, when our expected bass scale degree motion moves from 6 to 4, one of the upper notes, the, me the melodic note, is an F-flat, which is a flat scale degree 2. This is another decoration from the minor mode, or actually um, even beyond that, it's a special thing. It's got its own name. It's called the Neapolitan. We're not going to get into that right now, though. <laughs> and so this all must be happening for a reason. So I guess the big question now is, why does this happen? And why is it not just one, six, four, two, five, one? Why is it decorated in a strange way like this? And the answer is, so often the answer with Bach, it is the text. Yeah. The last line of the hymn, indeed for a long time on the cross. And in German, the line goes, wohl an dem Kreuze lange. So lange is at the end of that sentence, and that's preceded by kreuze, which means cross. Lange means long. It's pretty typical for composers to set a dissonance on the word cross uh, when we're talking about crucifixion. And also, 
you know, it's just so obvious. It's right there when the last word is long to elongate it, literally to stretch that note out. So to put this in perspective, the last phrase of this hymn, which is Vol an dem Kreuzer lange, it's actually this. Scale degrees one, two, three, four, three, two, one. Already, there's a little bit of text painting in this hymn. The word lange gets longer tones. That's nice. But wow, Bach really takes it to the extreme with this organ solo, doesn't he? We have what's basically... We get a strange tone there. And then Langa, he really takes his time with snakes all around the place. leaves us to one final marking that's in the musical score, which is talked about on the companion video to this Netherlands Bach Society recording by our organist, Erwin Viersinga. There is actually a marking at the end to go a little teeny bit slower, because Adagio is the tempo marking at the top. And then Bach writes for that last word, lange, that last few seconds, that last moment, he writes adagissimo, even more adagio, Comfortably. Comfortably. Or even more. Slowly, comfortably. Not necessarily slow, but we need to take our time. I guess that's the point here we're trying to make. We need to take our time to express the long time that Christ spent on the cross. And Bach's best way to do that in his mind is to set that last line with the most stunning of strange harmonies that progress temporally normal but are decorated so almost grotesquely strange to express this text. Yeah. And then slow down at the end because of Christ bearing the heavy burden of our sin indeed for a long time on the cross. And now, here is that final line from O Mensch Bewein Dein Sünde Gross, BWV 622. If this introduction to a musical moment has inspired you to hear the rest of this piece, please see the link in the episode description to see the performance of O Mensch Bewein by Erwin Wiersinga of the Netherlands Bach Society. Do you want to hear our new episodes as we release them? Find us on your podcast app and hit subscribe. Thanks again to all the listeners who have been submitting requests on pieces that we can do for a moment of Bach. As you can tell, we've been going through a lot of our listener requests and taking those. We love to hear more. Yep. Thanks, Dan, for your request. Okay, Alex. 
what we will be talking about next week. Next week, we will start a two-episode miniseries on a substantial cantata, BWV 21, Ich hatte viel Bekümmernis, one of Bach's early cantatas. Until next time, enjoy those moments. Thank you.